What's up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smartout Moment Smack Talk Podcast. NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day is coming up this Valentine's Day, so while you're all celebrating something that's on the positive side of things, some other people are going to beat the crap out of each other, and that's what we're going to be talking about here today. I am your host as always, Tony Mango. I've got with me Callum Wiggins. Garbage Day. <laughs> and Robert DeFelice. Ah, uh, the... Main decision for this event was a St. Valentine's Day massacre. So Steve Austin and the Giant are going to have some uh, some stuff going on here. We, we, we know kind of what the matches are for this card. Although, to be perfectly honest, we don't know some of them. Some of them will be determined tonight on NXT, and one of them has already been spoken of as not happening. So... It's kind of interesting. We have a, I don't know if this has ever happened uh, with a pay-per-view point predictions before where we've gotten a match taken off right before we started to do it. And two other other ones are kind of in limbo and I don't know. We're going to run them down. We're going to run down the options of what the replacement things might be. And the two other matches that we know, at least for now, should stick with the card. And we want you to give us your thoughts on what's happening here on your predictions and anything else that is going on by leaving a comment below on the YouTube video in particular. Of course, there's other ways that you could do that. You can send us a tweet at Smart Moment. You can post something on the Facebook page. You can put something in the Mega Maniacs Facebook group. You can post something in the uh, Discuss comment section on the page on SmartCutMoment.com. But if you are over there on the YouTube side of things, then while you're leaving your comment, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Ring that little notification bell as well. Hit the like button, hit the share button, hit the applause button, hit the join button, which is the same as the Patreon. And if you are interested in that and you want to help us out on the monetary side of things, even with a dollar, not only is it greatly appreciated, but you also get access to those different tiers. The $10 and up is the Dark Cast. Those are Patreon exclusive episodes. There's the Pick Your Poison tier where you can request a special feature and we will do it because that's the point. And there's other kind of ways that you could do that, like the merchandise shops on TeePublic and Redbubble. Check them out. If you want more information, drop a comment below and I'll tell you more. Figure that might be a way to save some time. Anyway, let's get into this card. NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day, at least right now, at around 3.30 in the afternoon before NXT. This is our lineup. We've got, and we'll break this down, obviously, in more detail. We're not just going to say see you later, everybody. Uh, we've got the finals for the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament both on the men's side and the women's side. We've got a triple threat for the NXT Women's Championship between Io Shirai, Tony Storm, and Mercedes Martinez. And we've got the NXT Championship match between Pete Dunne challenging Finn Balor. And we should have had the NXT North American Championship match between Johnny Gargano and Kushida. However, earlier today, they announced that Johnny Gargano is injured. I'm putting that in air quotes, but you can't see because this isn't a video. And tonight, he's going to be facing Austin Theory, uh, Kushida, I mean, not Johnny Gargano. And it seems like that match has been pulled off the card. Now, Rob, you don't believe it, necessarily, that he's injured. I don't believe it because the announcement came from Austin Theory on Twitter. Instead of them going, breaking news, no Johnny Gargano. And I think... Until I see otherwise, I still think there's a chance that maybe Johnny jumps in the ring tonight and beats up Kushida and it's like, ha ha, swerve along, and they're still on for Sunday. How are you thinking about this, Callum? You think it's a swerve? You think it's real? 
I think in the current climate, it's hard to predict that it, this wouldn't be real just because anything like this could be happening at any point in time. So, and that, not necessarily that he's quite unquote injured, but just unable to compete at this moment in time for whatever reason that might be. But yeah, I think I think there's just as much possibility that this is just an attempt for him to try and bypass the match because he doesn't. Basically, the entire storyline leading up to this is that he really doesn't want to fight Kushida because Kushida's the guy in form right now. He's been winning practically all of his matches. So Gargano's been trying to avoid him at all costs. And so he's going to try and use Austin Fury to get him out of the match. And yeah, until we hear any official confirmation on the show itself that Gargano is definitely injured, he's definitely out of the show, then I think we have to take it with a pinch of salt. Yeah, because right now on WWE.com, which is surprisingly not the most reliable of sources for these kind of things, all it says is on Tuesday night, Austin Theory tweeted out that Johnny Gargano will be unable to compete against him. Against him? <laughs> Austin Theory tweeted out? Okay. That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, they capitalized tweeted, so that's another thing. Uh, against him at NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day, and that was all the fault of Kushida. As a result, Austin has challenged Kushida to a match tonight with Gargano out of action. What will this mean for NXT TakeOver in the future of the NXT North American Championship? So they're at least playing it as either an angle or reality. I'm waiting to take it off the card entirely until after they like full-blown replace it with something else. But in case they don't and it's on the card, you guys think Kushida's got a shot? I don't. I think he wins if that's on the card. I just think they know what they have. They want to skyrocket Kushida now because they haven't been using him well for the last year or however long he's been there. And Gargano is bulletproof. He can win, lose, win, lose, and be perfectly fine. I think he'll be too soon for them to drop the belt from joining Gargano now that he's finally kind of overcome his curse. I think if this had been his first title defense, then maybe obviously there'll be the chance to just continues that story arc. But now that he defended it against um, Leon Ruff and now he's holding the title for a while, I just don't think they're actually going to put the title on Kushida. I think they know what they have with Kushida in the sense that he's a really solid hand and can do a lot of stuff and they've changed his attitude so he's a bit more physical and a bit more aggressive. I just don't think that they feel like that necessarily means that they should give him the title as well. So I think that Gargano will retain here if they do have that match. Now, if they replace it with something else, there are potentially a couple options that would make sense. One of them being Karrion Cross against Santos Escobar. They've been, you know, kind of half-assed feuding a little bit. Like uh, Escobar had cut a promo and he was talking about the different champions and running them down. And he mentioned about like, uh, you know, I didn't get injured the first time that I won the title and whatever, like Karrion Cross. And Cross had struck back by attacking uh, Kurt Stallion. And Escobar and Legado del Fantasma took the blame out of that. Since then, Karrion Cross has flat out said, uh, Escobar is on a ticking clock here and they didn't fight last week. There's nothing advertised for this week. It, it's just, uh, what's next with Scarlet and Karrion Cross. Yeah, they will be there, but they're not announcing a match or anything. Yeah. So I kind of think if they do replace Kushida and Gargano with something cross versus Escobar is the one that makes the most sense. Yeah, I'd say that's probably the most 
likely match they could put together because if, if it is obviously legitimate that Gargano was out and this wasn't the plan they need to throw something together at the last minute that's the thing that makes the most sense that they can do unless they just decide to give some sort of Escobar just some random title defense against someone Kurt Stallion again <laughs> yeah I hope that they don't I do mean, something like that I mean if it's not Kurt if, you know Kurt Stallion obviously is an option I'd say it might likely be if, if Escobar is just defending the title they should just give it to Leon Ruff because he's the guy they've been, I don't say pushing, but he's a guy who's been really prominent a lot more recently in the last couple of months since winning the North American title. So they might as well give him the match in there instead, and he can easily lose, and at least it's a, French, a fresh face taking him on instead. Surely he's over 205 pounds. I mean, I surely. That, I think I almost feel like he's like below the cruiserweight level almost, so maybe he can't even live up to the cruiserweight standing. But, um, but yeah, I think that... It's most likely would be carrying cross against, and there's no there's no other match that really stands out in my mind unless they just rushedly book something tonight, or unless it's going to be otherwise it'll be some sort of squash match involving Zia Lee or uh, I don't know uh, what's what's his face um the um creep creep, creep from the creep farm. Dexter Loomis. Yeah, Dexter Loomis. Yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't seen I haven't seen him for a little while, so it's like easy to escape my mind. Loomis has been hanging around Johnny Gargano, which is kind of weird because with this whole thing with Kushida, that's even more of a reason why I think Gargano would retain is because it seems like Loomis is the next in line for a title shot. And maybe they kind of get around. It wouldn't be as like bombastic, but maybe they get around this a little bit by having Theory lose to Kushida through some kind of like distraction by Dexter Loomis. And then they announced, you know what? Uh, Gargano and Kushida can't fight at TakeOver, but, you know, Loomis is going to fight Austin Theory. And they just sort of do that. By the way, uh, Leon Ruff is 157 pounds. Oh, just, I so just about, he just about fits into the <laughs> 205 limit. So that's an option. I mean, uh, by the way, if it's Cross and, uh, Escobar, obviously Cross beats Escobar and it's not for the Chris Way Championship. <laughs> You no, never yeah. know. Be kind of interesting if that was the case. Well, it is. It is still pretty bizarre in the grand like circumstances. Things that they're just going to have a guy who really at this point should be challenging again for his NXT Championship that he never lost, and just have him run through the cruiserweight champion on his way to getting that. Yeah, I don't know why they decided to book this little feud on the side. I would have thought Cross against like. Well, you know what? I would have thought, if anything, Cross against one of the members of the Undisputed Era would have potentially made some sense because they're not doing anything on this card. Yeah, I mean, Kyle O'Reilly was the most recent challenger before Pete Dunne for the title, so he could be Kyle O'Reilly on the path to getting his title shot back. Right. They could be like, Kyle O'Reilly still thinks that he needs to get another shot at Finn Balor, and Cross could be like, hey, I never lost that championship, and, you know, fuck you, pal. Kind of, and then that would make sense because right now Bobby Fish is injured, so of course he's out of the mix. But Roderick Strong and Adam Cole lost in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament, and Kyle O'Reilly's just not doing anything. So unless the Undisputed Era pops up to back up Finn Balor, whereas Pete Dunne's got Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, they're not going to be on the card for the first time in a long time. Yeah, and that I think could be good if you're transitioning them to the main roster but True. it does feel empty doesn't it and they already did Bronson Reed against Isaiah Swerve Scott 
So other than just doing it again for the sake of doing it again, which really is not a good rational uh, thought process, that seems to be a no-go. They've done enough stuff in the meantime where the Scott and Jake Atlas feud is not a feud anymore. Atlas is pretty much just doing his own thing. Scott's feuding primarily, I guess, still with Bronson Reed. And I can't imagine that they just throw on, like, Drake Maverick and Killian Dane against Ever Rise. Or, uh, well, depending on who wins the other matches, too. That's, that's another thing. Tyler Rust against blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Mansoor. Like blah, blah, yeah, whatever. Mansoor is not even in the United States, I think, right now. But, um, yeah, like Tyler Rust, you put him against somebody, who cares, kind of. He seems decent, but that doesn't mean anything. Maybe a Xylee thing, but Xylee and Boa and Chancha and Mei Ying... It seems more and more, by the way, that now that I'm reading this report, it seems more and more like Mei Yang is the name of the woman. Mei Yang, he, no, they clarified it. They, they they made it clear in today's preview of NXT. Mei Ying is the woman. Tian Sha is the faction. And they're named after the force of the spirit of this thousand-year-old warrior. That is their family. I, I'm assuming that that is their family name. The important thing is we don't need to know. <laughs> this is a wwe booking philosophy you go so uh is she like supposed to be a thousand years and they're like i don't know and you go but like are we supposed to believe that and they go shut up <laughs> or that simpsons thing shut up that's why <laughs> yeah. so maybe they get some kind of a thing on there with Ziley. i doubt it i think that she's just gonna have a match tonight and then that's kind of it but yeah, you know, I like Xylee. You toss a Xylee match in there. I'll be down for it. I'd imagine, though, we're only getting the two women's matches. And if they do end up not having the North American title match, it's probably Cross and Escobar. Any other ideas you guys have of what they might put in there? Nah. Nope. I mean, I would. If they're gluttons for punishment, which they might be, they will give us uh, Cameron Grimes and Dexter Lewis again. Just because Cameron Grimes is back. Cameron Grimes. To the moon. Going all the way to the moon. He's uh getting into the stock market, I guess. <laughs> He's, he is Dogecoin. <laughs> so as far as the tag team classic stuff goes, we currently don't know who is in all four spots of the finals. We only know one spot. And that is Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez on the women's side. They are going to fight either Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart or The Way. Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. Now, if Candice, for some reason, isn't on the show tonight, then I think that that speaks to Gargano isn't injured, but they think that he has tested positive for COVID and they keep them away. They haven't alluded to that in the slightest bit. They're still advertising Candice LeRae and they Indy did Hartwell. The bit last week where Kushida like hit his elbow and they all like got really concerned. Yeah. So. It doesn't seem like it would be COVID. I think if it was a COVID situation, they would have pulled the women's match. Mm-hmm. So all things considered, I think it's a go. I don't think it matters because I think uh, Shotzi and Ember go to the finals. There is a chance, though, based off of the way that they do some of these things here and there, there is a chance that maybe they have some kind of a message of like, 
Candice LeRae is at home tending to Johnny Gargano and she can't be there. So she's got a replacement and that's going to be Indy Hartwell's partner. And then they lose. And then Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart move on. And then it ends up being like, all right, well, the next week afterward, it could be like, you know, we would have won that match if Candice would have been there or something like they can pull that kind of crap. You know what all this is making me feel like is, hey, this still sucks. Wrestling still is dealing with all this fluid shit and we're supposed to just act like, oh, this is great, when at any point in time on the road to WrestleMania, a match can be pulled from a major card. Yep. Sucks. (laughs) COVID. (laughs) I do think Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart win no matter what, though. And they lose to Dakota Kai and Cal Gonzalez. Yeah, that's pretty much the the full process I have going into it as well. It doesn't seem like there's... I mean, the only potential would be if Shotzi and Ember win just because if, again, we have no clarity over the fact that whether the winner is getting anything other than the cup as a as in a women's tag team title opportunity. At the moment, the women's tag team champions are heels. And so they could just say, OK, this is the opportunity to have Ember go back up to the main roster after coming back down to NXT and moving Shotzi up there as well. And then they're battling for the tag team titles instead. I'm good with it. Ember's sure done fuck all in her time in NXT. Yeah, I hate that Ember is, like, severely slotted in this. Yep, you're you're just going to be that kind of person who helps build people. And yes, not everybody can be a star, and wrestling needs those people, but Ember felt like she could have been at one point, and now it just seems sure as all can be that she's always going to be in an enhancement kind of role. I think that there's a chance because they haven't said that this is for a tag title shot. And I think that that's because they're giving themselves the leeway to not have to do that. But I think that there's an opportunity that maybe going forward with this, they do something with like Kai and Gonzalez get a tag title shot. Maybe at WrestleMania, they decide that it'd be kind of fun to do the thing that would be most fun, which would be one team from Raw, one team from SmackDown, and one team from NXT. Or maybe they'll do like they did before, where they go, yeah, you know, one team from each thing, like uh, two teams from Raw and one from SmackDown. <laughs> and it's like, what the hell? But I'm going Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez winning the uh, the Women's Cup. Um, at the end of the day, who do you guys think is going to win? Is it going to be the baby faces to get a potential tag title shot, or is it going to go to the the better team? I think it should go to... Raquel and Dakota because they are the better team and Raquel is got star power written all over her. Uh, there is a potential just because, hey, look at the men's Dusty Cup. The first winners were Finn Balor and Samoa Joe that you do just go with the babyface team just because. But I'm going to stick with my brain and say Raquel and Dakota. So logic dictates that it should be Raquel and Dakota because they're definitely the most cohesive team. They've been the team the longest and they look the most dominant going into this. But part of me feels like, based on what's going to happen in the women's title match, as we'll probably talk about in a little while, I don't think that, well, again, spoiler, I don't think EO's dropping the title there. And the only caveat to that is if, okay, well, we'll decide to pivot Raquel and she's going for the title at the next takeover. In which case, it makes no sense for her to be battling for the women's tag team titles if they decide to go in that direction. Of course, as they've said, they have that out as well, so they could just win that, and this could be 
Raquel's second launching pad after War Games into getting the women's title opportunity. So I think guns in my head, I'll still stick with Raquel and Dakota because I think it makes the most sense to me. But again, absolutely would not be surprised if the babyfaces won this one. On the men's side of the Dusty Cup, we've got four potential teams. Because right now we don't know if it's going to be MSK or Legado del Fantasma against either Grizzled Young Veterans or Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. Not how I figured that the brackets would have laid out, but then again... One of the teams wasn't an actual team. Right. (laughs) But the, uh, you know, I think that something like Ciampa and Thatcher is more interesting than if they would have gone with Desmond Troy and Ashanti the Adonis. He's fallen so far. It's a shame. They really started building him up on 205 Live, and then he was like, oh yeah, you're on two, uh, you're on NXT as well. You're going to job every time we see you there. Shame. Um, I am leaning more in the direction here. Legato loses to MSK, and Grizzled Young Veterans beat Thatcher and Ciampa, and we end up getting uh, James Drake and Zach Gibson against Wesley and Nash Carter, and I think MSK wins. I think we get Champa Thatcher, MSK, and I think MSK wins. So, going to have a completely different uh, turnaround there, almost. I think that we're going to have, it's going to be MSK, MSK winning on the one side, and I agree with Rob that it would be uh, Champa and Thatcher but I think Champer and Thatcher win. The, uh, I think either way, I think they that that side of the bracket, whether it's the Grizzled Young Veterans or Tommaso Champer or Tommy Thatcher that go through, I think they're the ones that are going to win. I think there's zero chance of MSK winning this tournament. Why is that? I just think that the other two teams are more established. Not actually, one of the teams is obviously isn't established, but the two people within it are established. And I don't think they do the same thing with the Grizzled Young Veterans of having them lose at the final hurdle like they did pretty much last year, which is part of me thinking that why that would they would go through because they lost at the semi-finals of the previous Dusty Rhodes Classic. So if they were to lose in that stage again, it almost feels like they're just running in motion. They're not they're not showing any signs of progression on that point. And I think with MSK, it's just it's too soon. And NXT. Listen, uh, I'm totally for teams being brought in hot and or just anybody being brought in hot and being launched to the moon if they feel like they're good enough. And I think MSK do show a lot of promise, but NXT doesn't operate like that. It's never operated like that to the to outside of a few people like Carrying Cross and Kevin Owens, probably are the only are two of the major examples. But it never really just shoots people to the moon. They have to earn earn their way up in that regard. So I just don't think that they're going to give MSK the win and a title opportunity straight off the back. I think that it'll be one of the two other teams. What about Cameron Grimes? He went straight to the moon. I knew you were going to go there. That's why I didn't go <laughs> well, there. Where's he? Where, like, talk about a guy that's had to earn his way through the ranks and stuff like that. Where, when's the last time he got like an actual serious title opportunity? I wish I, I made some, some kind of a lunar pun. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but it's just I just don't feel like they would go that quickly with MSK. Especially because, I mean, we talk about, again, they haven't clarified whether the winners of this match will get a tag team title opportunity. History suggests that that will be the case. But... No, I think the men, they did clarify, did they not? Yeah, they did say that the uh, winners okay. do that. By the way, I also okay. figured it out. He gets a title shot once in a blue moon. 
<laughs> These sirens in the background are the uh, insane asylum coming to get me. So. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I wouldn't be against MSK winning it and getting that title shot. I just feel like, well, first of all, I think whoever gets the win in this tournament will beat Danny Birch and Noni Lorcan, which I think sucks to an extent because these guys have had one of the least remarkable tag team title reigns in history. They've barely done anything as that as the actual champions, and I think that sucks because they got they worked hard to get this title reign and they've been on the roster for a long time. They finally get their due and then they're just not used pretty much. They're just Pete Dunne and yeah, Pete Dunne's lackeys essentially. So I don't know why they're still doing that. By the way, why are they all still a group? Yeah, because Pat McAfee's not there anymore. So, but they decided to stick around. I'd, yeah, again, don't, not sure why, but regardless of that side of things, it, I think the the team that wins this tournament most likely to beat them for the championships. And so I assume that it would be Grizzled Young Veterans because they've been there, either there for a while. It would be either them because they've been there for a while, and that feels like the next logical step for them to take, or it would be. Thatcher and Champa because they're two names in the company, or at least Champa is a big name in the NXT so- like side of things. So I would assume that they want to give the title on to him to maybe give the titles a bit more momentum that has been lost over the course of the year so far. Now, they never said when this tag title match is going to happen. And that's where I come in with, I think that MSK winning makes sense, where they might do the tag title match on NXT and then because we don't know when the next takeover is going to be. They haven't announced it yet. Normally, of course, in previous years, it's been the day before WrestleMania. And we know that that's not happening this year because this year, just like last year, WrestleMania is Saturday and Sunday. So I'm assuming that we don't get takeover until after Mania. And I can't imagine that they drag out MSK versus Lorcan and Birch or Champa and Thatcher against the Brit and Bruisers for like three months. So I'm thinking maybe they go with MSK here. Maybe in a couple weeks they do an MSK versus uh, Lurkin and Birch and something happens. Maybe they just flat out win, whatever it is. Uh, the tag titles stay where they are. And then in the meantime, Champ and Thatcher or the Undisputed Era maybe work their way back into a tag title spot. And then whenever the next takeover is, that's when Lorcan and Birch lose. I could see a scenario like that happening. We're also in a weird time where they're trying to put as many things on TV as they can. True. So who knows? I just feel like, again, I'm not saying that this won't happen because I know what the company's like, but it would feel just super redundant to me if, okay, so the team works hard, they get through all these matches, they win the tournament, they face them on a random episode of NXT and lose, and then a team that lost the tournament then it gets built up and then yeah. gets the title off of it. So that feels, I feel like, well, if you're just going to do it, then just do it. Have the team that you want to be the next champion just win this tournament and have that match afterwards. I just feel like there's no point in having this top gap in between. Yeah, I mean, it's not the most logical way of doing things, but then again, how often have they followed that path, you know? Again, I'm totally not saying that that won't happen because I know what it's like, but I'm just just putting it out there. It's a dumb way of doing it. (laughs) Um, I do think, though, we're all in agreement here. The fourth option for this is Legato del Fantasma. That doesn't make any sense. I watched them win, too, and then (laughs) she just said, oh, fuck. 
they're going to win, and then Escobar is going to put the Cruiserweight title on the line against Cross and beat Cross. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. And Jake Atlas makes his return. He finally joins the group and he wins the world title, and then it's all just like all over the place. And then he turns into Bobby Fish. I don't know. <laughs> um, the. At least uh, from my perspective, it's one of the babyface teams that wins. And um, you know, if they went with Ciampa and Thatcher, makes sense to me. MSK, makes sense. We know Triple H loves these guys. So they could just be pushed to the moon. I don't think Grizzled Young Veterans do win because they are baby, uh, they are heels. They started off a little bit babyface when they came back. It was kind of weird, but they firmly went, no, we're heels by saying like everybody in attendance is awful and you're all terrible fans and I hate every single one of you and whatever. It's like, okay, well, you're heels. But um, yeah, that's that. Uh, I'm going MSK. You guys are going uh, Champ and Thatcher both, right? Nope, I'm going uh, MSK. You're going MSK as well. I'm going MSK, but I do think they beat Champa and Thatcher. Oh, that was the difference, yeah. Yeah, and I'm going with Champa and Thatcher beating MSK. So let's talk about the NXT Women's Championships Triple Threat: Io Shirai against Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez. I dislike the idea that this is where they're going. I think that, I mean, depending on what their direction is, I, I would assume Tony Storm in their mind is a bigger deal than Mercedes Martinez. And I don't disagree with that. She is a former champion. Mercedes Martinez has only been there for a little bit. I think a better course of action would have been Mercedes against EO. Cause that's how this started. And then they threw Tony storm in there. And then she overshadowed everything. And then Mercedes didn't like the triple threat kind of thing. And they were teaming in the dusty cup and whatever. I don't think that they had this in mind. I think that they were going to do EO versus Mercedes and they thought, well, we got to throw somebody like Tony storm in there because that's not big enough. I never got the feeling that this is supposed to be like storm and Martinez are kind of feuding. It's kind of like they're both filling the same void sort of. I think it's one of those things where they want to rush Tony because Tony was supposed to be there before and they're trying to like make up for lost time, but they've also got Mercedes and they're trying to make up for lost time because she was away for a while because of the retribution stuff. And now they're just like, Hey, let's do a three way. It doesn't matter. EO is going to win. Yeah. It's pretty weird circumstances where I think immediately following uh, war games, even though obviously it should have been Raquel going after it because she was the one that made the most logical sense. The she pinned Io Shirai. I still yeah. don't get that, but whatever. But after that, it was Tony Storm who was cutting in promos and like backstage views that she wants the title opportunity. But then she disappeared for a little while and Mercedes came back and she took out EO and then they seemed to be feuding with each other. Then she's teaming with Tony Storm in this tag tournament, which it only got was only really there to be put in so EO could cost them the match. And now they're both after EO. At the same time, at the same time, feuding with each other, so it is just a bit of a hodgepodge of a freeway feud to set this one up. I think it's just due to the fact that they want to have matches with these two. They want these two to have an opportunity at Io Shirai, but I don't think at the moment, again, not thinking like totally long term, because I think both of these two could be women champions in future if they decide to go in that direction. I think right now they're just two stepping stones to who Io will eventually drop the title to which I can only assume would be Raquel Gonzalez. 
See, this is not the course of action that I would want, but this is what I think they're going to do. I think Io retains by pinning Mercedes, and Tony Storm gets another shot down the line and beats Io. I mean, I wouldn't be against Tony winning the title. I think she'd be a good champion. I just don't feel like that's the direction that they want to, they're going with at the moment. Unless, of course, the course of action for Raquel and Dakota winning the tag titles is that they win the tag title, or they got win the tournament, they win the tag titles, and they're just moved up to the main roster through that, and Raquel just bypasses NXT. I think there's a chance of that, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's, there's, there's a real chance of that. And then I think on the Hill side of things, Tony makes the most sense because for some reason they're never going to give Candice LeRae the Women's Championship. Yeah, it's really so, weird. bullshit, by the way. It's, yeah. It really is. But that would be the obvious transition of, okay, we give the title to Tony Storm. Tony Storm in a few months' time drops it to Shotzi Blackheart. Yeah. And move on, essentially. That, so yeah, I can definitely see that being the case. But I think at the very least, we'll obviously have to see how that plays out going forward. But at the very least, at Vengeance Day, she's not going to drop it in a triple threat match. I don't think. I think the only way she drops it in a triple threat is if Tony pins Martinez, and then they just do the Io Shirai and Tony Storm rematch in a different way, where it's instead of Tony going, "You didn't pin me," it's Io saying, "I didn't get pinned to lose my title." Mm. But I do think that we're getting another Shirai and Storm match. And by the end of these two matches, Shirai's not going to be champion anymore. She's held it for almost a year at this point. She yeah, wanted that takeover so. in your house, which was... May, I think, yeah. Was it May? Was it, May? Uh, it, was, it was the pay-per-view that was... Like, the takeover that was after Mania. Because I remember thinking, what the hell is the point of Charlotte yeah, winning? Like- it was like a month and a half out after Mania, so it might have been like, it was either May or June. Yeah. So she's almost been a year. At this point, usually the babyface champions don't last that long. And Io Shirai's had a little bit of a tweener edge to her in some circumstances, so maybe that's why she stuck around a little bit longer. Or maybe it's just a pandemic. But typically, the babyface champions are gone in a couple months, and the heel ones are the ones that last a year. And Shirai, I think she's at that point where... She could drop the title and nobody's going to go, oh my God, that's way too early. Especially if she drops it to Storm. Now I'm cool with uh, Mercedes Martinez winning too. Like I like all three of these. So whoever wins, I'm happy in the grand scheme of things. But I'm thinking Shirai retains right here at the very least. I I just want to put this out there. I don't know if it's because pandemic or uh, a tendency on my behalf to focus on Dynamite on Wednesdays. But like, does this not feel completely deflated from a normal takeover? Oh, it does. It, it, yeah, okay, good. It just really seems like there's no energy here. Like, th- these are options, and this is good, but eh. I, again, I, I do think it's EO. I think, unfortunately, both of these women are stepping stones. And I think the division is kind of lost right now, where they have a lot of star power and no direction but well um, uh, uh, first of all i dispute the idea they have any they have any star power Fr- frankly nxt has zero stars and that's just the way it is because they get trounced every single week by dynamite that's far less established than nxt is imagine this being the fact that nxt they finally got moved on to an actual television platform at the exact time coincided of course pandemic included in it but it coincides with the exact same time that everyone's completely lost interest in nxt 
It's like because nobody really, in the grand scheme of things, cares about NXT at the moment. It's just it's just a thing that happens more than being like it doesn't feel like the alternative anymore. It doesn't feel like the special events that it used to be. It just feels like another brand, and that's again that's probably the reason why it's so deflating because it just feels like okay, we've watched Raw and we've got SmackDown coming up and now we just have to deal with this in the middle of the week as well. Especially yeah. when especially when you've got, got competition on Wednesday and Dynamite. Again, Dynamite is not perfect by any stretch of imagination, but it just it feels fresher and it feels different still. So Well, the more that NXT becomes like the main roster, the more that it becomes superfluous. Yeah, exactly. Because then you start looking at it as the SmackDown to the main roster which yeah. is like you know smackdown never gets the attention that raw does even if the smackdown roster is better or even if the shows are better people just always attribute more positivity to raw and then when you got that you can group raw and smackdown as the main roster and then other people with nxt is just like oh well that's like you know that's extra and whatever we don't have to deal with that well i on top of that as well i think it's we're finally getting to the point with nxt and this has been something that's been building for a few years now. There are too many people on that roster that have been there for way too long. Yeah. Some people like Gargano, Candice, Ciampa. Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era. It's even some of the women's division. Even some of the ones that really aren't going to make a big, big splash. But like Aaliyah has been there for like 10 years, it seems. Yeah, and yeah, you know what? Yeah. If she's not ready to come up to the main roster, maybe there's a, a reason for that. If she is ready to come up to the main roster, put her on Raw or SmackDown. They could use her. You know? Yeah, it's like, if a case like that, I mean, I would like more fluidity between the brands. That's why I would have hoped that NXT would have been involved in the the draft that took place a few months mm-hmm. ago because then they could have they could have taken some people that were floundering on Raw and SmackDown. It could have just given them a new lease of life as well. Yeah, Bo Dallas would yeah. be so much better off in NXT. Yeah, exactly. You got like Bo Dallas. You could have put um if you got a Tucker and Otis, you put Tucker on there and stuff like that. You have got like like where's Riddick Moss now and stuff like that. It's just like oh, he's like, injured. Oh, he's injured. Okay, he's injured. But, yeah. Huh. Where's but, Mojo? Yeah. The Raleigh though. Yeah, my, yeah, Mojo Raleigh could have been down there and. I'm trying to think of other people like, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of people you could, I mean, Lucha House Party are now basically half part of NXT as well. And they're mm-hmm. doing a lot better on NXT than they are doing on the main roster. Chad Gable would be better off in NXT. Yeah, exactly. There would have been, there have been tons of opportunities for people to swap around like that. And it just feels like, again, that's, a, that's been a huge issue with the main roster. The fact that like, even though how talented certain people like, I'm just naming names here, but like Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston and, uh, people of that ill car they've been on the main roster now we see them on the main roster every single week and we have so for the last 10 years and it's just like in the 80s and 90s people would stay in wwe for a cup of coffee and then they would be out in about three or four years a lot of them so it's it's just it's a different world that we live in now where we have to where we see people for so long that it it's not like we dislike them or we just comp- like it, it doesn't matter if we like them or dislike them. We're just apathetic towards them, and that's. I think that's the really word to describe people's attitudes towards NXT right now is apathy. I agree completely, and it really has hurt NXT since they moved over to USA. They're like, okay, cool, Balor's there, right? But I almost feel like with both Balor and Moon. They validated the fact that they didn't do anything on the main roster because even though Balor's the champion, 
it felt more like Balor got a circumstantial title run because the other three options were the three dudes who carried the brand for the last two years and they didn't want to go back. I, I don't know. I feel like this show used to have so much more energy and excitement around it. Now it's just another WWE product and that's the worst kind of compliment you kind of not compliment but the worst thing you could say about a show like this you know it's also indicative of a problem that we've said before there are too many special events like at this point in the past however many weeks and in the next couple of weeks the road to wrestlemania i'm not the type of person who subscribes to the idea that there should be four shows a year i think that's it's uh outdated and that attributed more success to the the touring era where it's like, okay, well let's go to see this live house show because we can't just understand that it's the same show all around the whole place. And, you know, let's go see the, the house show that actually it sucks, you know? Um, but I do think that 12 shows a year is like kind of the maximum that you should do. And when you start doing the NXT takeover events and then you start doing things like, superstar uh what was it called superstar spectacle. spectacle um you know that was just a couple weeks ago and we just got done royal rumble and we are and heading to towards up, yeah next week after this is going to be elimination chamber and then three weeks i think after that is fast lane and then three weeks after that is two nights of wrestlemania it's like well goddamn uh, eventually you're going to get to a point where if every other week is a pay-per-view, then they're no longer special events. They're just more shows that happen to happen not every week. And I don't feel like we needed a takeover right now. I feel like maybe Fastlane shouldn't happen in March. And there should be a takeover in March instead. Could have been no, takeover Fastlane, kind of, you know? I'm kind of really missing takeovers being paired with the pay-per-views. And I know... Previously, I was kind of like, oh, it's cool that they're doing their own thing. But now I'm like, you know, I I think it added to the pay-per-view weekend. It added a different energy to the weekend. I think they're better off just pairing them with the pay-per-views. I don't want to like put this, obviously, I know it's obviously taking a bit of a negative direction, as is our, as our way, typically, because we're talking about <laughs> WWE. But... Again, I don't want to take away from the fact that I'm probably still going to watch this show and still going to enjoy the wrestling that's on it because that's the thing that usually just happens on TakeOver. There's good wrestling happens. It's just the whole atmosphere surrounding it is in a downward trend at the moment. Yeah, there's, then, yeah, I, but then I'll watch this show in isolation and enjoy pretty much every match that will happen on it. So. Yeah, there's not really like a bad performer on this card, and I'm sure the matches are going to be great, but at the same time, it just doesn't feel like it's a TakeOver. I don't feel like we're talking to do, about a pay-per-view point right now. I feel like we're going through some hot tags or something yeah yeah it, it, that's the, probably the way to describe it. it's like the actual show itself is something that we'll probably just sit down and we'll enjoy the wrestling for what it is but it doesn't feel like it matters in the grand scheme of things at the moment i, I do apologize for taking it in this direction it was just like a feeling that was coming over me and i just wanted to get it out there you know no, i think yeah. i think we said this about in, in in one way or another we said this about probably the last like three or four takeovers there's yeah. been that general 
malaise that's surrounding this promotion right now. And it's and it's clear to see in the fact that they're just being trounced week in and week out by AEW. And even even if AEW gets less viewers than NXT does and stuff like that, obviously they're better in the demos every single week anyway. But it's more just due to the fact that there's always more buzz and there's always more things to be talking about that happen on the AEW show rather than NXT, which just seems to really happen. It might have better matches than AEW does on a week-to-week basis in certain areas, but AEW always comes out with more buzz than NXT does. And to be fair to NXT, AEW Dynamite is AEW's Monday Night Raw. It's their one show that they put all their eggs in the basket for because they clearly don't do that when it comes to Dark. Dark is just, no. how about these guys? And, you know, here's 14 matches for three hours. But, like, uh, you know, when it comes to Dynamite, that's where they're putting all their attention into. Whereas WWE, as much as they try to give you that company speak bullshit, there is a pecking order. Because if there wasn't a pecking order, main event would be listed under the show's page of WWE.com. It's just like, let's be honest. You don't go out of your way to put uh, Fight Like a Girl on there and not main event if you don't care about the one show. And um, NXT is never going to be as big of a priority to WWE as Dynamite is to AEW. So the only way to fix that is to care. And when WWE gets things like the Peacock deal and whatever, and it shows that they kind of can fail upward or they can just stay unilateral, then they go, well, you know, why put in the effort? And to them, if NXT is doing the way that it is and USA is fine with it, they're not going to try harder. And maybe the way to get around that is to get a creative team that actually takes that under consideration as their baby. And that's all they work on. But every time that that happens, then they go, oh, those people are great. Let's bring them up tomorrow or let's put them on SmackDown or whatever. And then it comes, you know, developmental brand is developmental for lots of different reasons. But, you know, I mean, we're at a point now where like Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne. There's no way that this match is going to be bad. And if Pete Dunne won the championship, I'd be like, this is amazing. If Finn Balor retains, I'm like, eh, it's cool. Finn Balor, I don't like as much as some other people do. but He's a worthwhile champion and he'll hold it for Karrion Cross. This will be a great match. And I'm like, all right, well, when's Karrion Cross going to win that title? Probably at, NX, uh, at WrestleMania. But if my major talking point of a match that's going to be as good as this one is, is I think Karrion Cross beats Finn Balor at WrestleMania. And then we just are kind of looking forward to April. That kind of sucks because... It's a shame that I'm not like, oh man, Pete Dunne, you know, Finn Balor, this is going to be amazing. But it's like, ah, I know that that's just a holdover. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of of hard to add too much to that side of things. Just like, this match is going to be very, very good because both guys involved are excellent in the ring. And I'm sure they'll put a very good match together. I do have to say that at least... Again, it's a subject that's been talked about probably more and more in the last couple of weeks. It is quite refreshing to see someone under the age of 30 in a world title match in, <laughs> uh, in WWE. So so that's one thing that we can give a bit of a nod to. But isn't it amazing that like, we talk about Pete Dunne like four or five years ago in that um, takeover Chicago, just like just coming out of nowhere and just stealing the show with Tyler Bate. And then it's several years later and he's kind of not gone any further than that. I mean, I think... he's obviously he's more of a main eventer now, obviously, because he's been positioned in that regards. But he hasn't actually like you would have thought that would have happened 
a year after that rather than four four or five years after it. Right. And maybe a lot of it is they wanted him for the UK brand. And then when they were finally ready to pull the trigger and bring him over, COVID. But it really feels like it's going to be, first of all, let me say this. It's going to be a phenomenal wrestling match. And I don't want my demeanor about the overall product to make anybody think I'm not looking forward to this match. And like this match won't kick all kinds of ass. But I don't buy Pete Dunne winning this match. I don't buy Finn Balor as champion. And to be quite frank, I don't even know if I want to see Cross with the belt. Right now, there's a lot of guys on this show that are almost charisma vacuums. And Pete Dunne, even though I know he's a killer, I'm not digging the promos. Finn Balor has become a cat. Yeah. When it happened. (laughs) And, you know, I want more edge on these guys and less bland WWE speak. And Tony, don't say anything about edge. I was going to say edge was there last week. (laughs) Yeah. And the show was, and the show tanked in the rain. So good job there. uh, Again, really side note is, is, is edge like the first person that's come back to the company and like came back as like a legend and this big deal we should talk about has actually just caused the ratings to just nosedive completely. <laughs> I think that speaks to Edge was never a megastar. Edge was never the you know, he was never Tom Cold, he was never the rock. He was the, you know, guy who loved wrestling. And I think that's what makes his comeback special, and that's why it's not resulting in crazy movement numbers because it's not like well edge left and all these people stopped watching edge leaving was a part of it but it was also the megastars that left surrounding edge leaving same with daniel bryan and everything like yeah when bryan came back the ratings could have soared to new heights because he was the first guy in a while to really kind of start to get to that level and if people really really cared that much about bryan they'd be watching smackdown and just doesn't get to that point, really. I mean, I'm not necessarily blaming Edge for it. I just think that this is indicative of what's going to come in the next, like, five, ten years or so, if WWE stays down the path that it's currently going, is that you're going to get the law of diminishing returns. Eventually, Goldberg's not going to be in any condition to wrestle anymore. You can't rely on The Undertaker anymore. Triple H can only go every now and again. You're not going to be able to get The Rock. You won't be able to, Stone Cold can't wrestle, doesn't wrestle or anything like that. Eventually, you're going to get to the point of anybody that could actually do something for the ratings is not there anymore, and you're left with the people that are, were almost there. We're like, do you think when... I mean, obviously, when Cena comes back, it'll hit a bigger number, but do you think when Randy Orton retires and he comes back, that's going to be a huge number? Probably no, not. it'll be exactly like Edge, where some people will really care, and some people will just be like, okay, yeah, I remember him. But then yeah. you'll get Stephanie McMahon on some kind of thing, or Vince McMahon, or whoever, and they'll be like, look at all the tweets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I know that's that a little bit of a, like, a sidetrack and stuff like that, but I just, I agree with what Rob's saying, these two don't come across as the most charismatic yeah. pair, and that mean, means the energy for this match is a little bit off. I mean, hopefully... They change that on this episode of NXT if they go face to face and they have a nice little segment together. But let's put it this way: they're not promo guys. They're guys that let their talking get done in the ring. 
So obviously, obviously, Pimbala would hopefully get his talking done in the ring if he doesn't have a, if he gets out of this match without a broken jaw this time. But you know that's going <laughs> to be eaten to a straw. But like, here's one of these things that I'm hoping it's not just me and maybe the fandom and hopefully the performers are feeling like, yeah, we need more promo guys because not to go back to Edge, but we had this moment on Raw where Edge obliterated the Miz. That's a word. <laughs> and uh, Hunter, whenever he gets on the microphone, just fucking runs through the entire roster. And every time these guys talk, even when they're completely fucking broken down, it's like, oh, yeah, that that's the thing that's missing. And we need we need guys who can go on the microphone now. Well, I guess uh, when we get the promo about how the cat's claws came out and beat up Pete Dunne, then yeah, and maybe <laughs> he talk about how he's gonna break those claws because It'll break claws, like, snap the fingers and everything. Like, snap break the fingers. Claws. Yeah, <laughs> I guarantee claws. you, gonna take your title. You stand over you. Gonna put it in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the only other question that I have for you guys... Oh, well, we're all going to Pete. Uh, Pete Dunne's not going to win the title, right? Correct. No, yeah, absolutely not. The only other question I got for you guys is, who's the better cowboy, Kurt Stallion or Callum Wiggins? Neither I would like to hope that even with the, the zero wrestling training that I have so much, I would part more of a fight than he did against Santos Escobar. <laughs> <laughs> I would at least attempt a low blow or something with a referee wasn't looking <laughs> and just try and get something out. <laughs> Yeah. So more over as well. That's uh that's Takeover Vengeance Day, which as I said before, I I've, I've grown to like the title more of Vengeance Day. Still not the best in the world, but you know, it's something. And uh we'll do our usual coverage of the event on the night that it's happening, the Sunday. Of course, after that we're going to do our post show to follow up the pay-per-view point, give you our thoughts on what happened run down where we think that the trajectory of NXT is going forward, especially if we get new champions in any fashion. And if they do anything that's different on NXT tonight and they announce a new match or they put something else in the mix, or obviously we're going to determine who is in the uh, Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic tournament matches, whatever. Any of those changes will be addressed on the hot tags and I'll be updating everything on all the posts and stuff. You'll have another post on wrestling news. You'll have another post eventually on Bleacher Report and, you know, I do a million things for each of these things, so lots of stuff to click on. And if you have already dropped your comments below, then, you know, if you liked this, hit the like button. As I've said before, that helps us grow, helps our SEO out, and helps other people get to see this. So that way they can give their thoughts on the predictions and everything else that's going on. My plugs are out of the way, though, outside of fanboysanonymous.com, which, if you're interested in that, go to fanboysanonymous.com, click on all the other things that are happening there, check out the YouTube channel, check out A Review to a Kill, which is our James Bond review podcast, and we've got plenty of episodes of those for you to listen to and some more coming on along the way, especially because there's 25 movies. And anything else that's happening there, you'll find there. You'll find my other stuff at Tony Mango, and you'll find these guys on all of their social medias and all the things they've got going on, including the thing that's following the hot tags, which is the Paul Heyman Smackdown podcast. What's going on for that, Callum? So, Paul Heyman's Smackdown podcast, we're on episode 34, coming this Saturday, uh, a Valentine's Day special, as you would expect. 
So in order to mark the occasion, we have a special Valentine's Day bra and panties match between Tori Wilson and Dawn Marie. I was hoping it wouldn't be Big Show and something. (laughs) Because, yes, this is 2003, so those are the matches to get. Um, We also have a main event featuring Brock Lesnar against John Cena, which has a completely different meaning in 2003 than it does in what it would do nowadays. Uh, We have all the most team angle in action. We have matches with Edge and Rey Mysterio's on the show and Chris Benoit. We're against A-Train, so plenty of matches to look forward to printed discussion points we have more undertaker looking in crates to see what uh, the big show has left for him we have <laughs> uh we don't have any um unfortunately again i just was just so people want to support it uh no involvement of either the hulk hogan or the rock because i erroneously thought that this was the go-home show for no way out it turns out we've got one more show before no way out as well so I have to be talking about that one next week as well next and the uh episode 35 obviously a week on saturday will have uh, Hogan and The Rock going at it in a verbal exchange in the ring. So, and then we can talk about No Way Out when you get over to the Patreon side of things. So, if you're at the $10 tier or above, then you'll be able to listen to our review of No Way Out 2003, which is pretty much our penultimate show before the final show of the series, which takes place on the 27th of February. So, mark your calendars then because that'll be the final time that we crossover into the year 2003 outside of a few other little special bits and pieces that myself and Rob have planned and hopefully Tony can get involved in at least one of those things as well so yeah that's pretty much what the plan's looking like for Paul Heyman Smackdown uh, from now going forward of course you can also check out all the articles on smarkamoment.com including the power rankings because that's my weekly contribution but make sure you check out all the other stuff there as well and follow me on Twitter at weekmeister14 yes and you can follow me on Twitter at dudefelice since you are obviously a wrestling fan, you should be checking out everything I'm doing over at Fightful.com. Check out everything Sean Ross Sapp has going on with Fightful Select. Check out everything over at WrestleZone.com. Uh, just a lot of wrestling this weekend. There's the Impact No Surrender special event, which will feature Private Party going for the tag titles. There's uh, Tommy Dreamer getting a world title shot at his 50th birthday. There's uh, blood sport this weekend so much wrestling so little time but there's still no time to die and i'm also on the fanboy stuff with tony doing the uh, james bond things and mulan and batman superman public enemies and i'm having a blast so yeah there's that all right everybody that's it and we will be seeing you next time. Hopefully you enjoy the rest of the week. Hopefully you enjoy NXT tonight. Hopefully you enjoy the TakeOver event. And we'll see you when we see everybody. But for now, this has been another Smart Out moment. And we're being counted out. Ah!